Amen. Turn with me this morning in your Bible to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5, and we're going to read from the verse 17, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. Let's hear the word of God, reading, of course, from the authorized version. Those online, the words will come up on screen, but we do encourage you to get a copy of the Bible and find the place and see the words, hear them, and may the Lord bless us as we read together. The Bible says, blessed is he that readeth the words of the prophecy of this book. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. And David came to Baal Perim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perim. And there were left their images, and David and his men burnt them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. It's great to see you this morning, and of course it's also great to have the boys and the girls with us. And I'm going to address the children for a few minutes. Now, boys and girls, I've got my bag with me. See my bag? Let's see what's inside this bag. I didn't pack it. Rosemary did. Okay. So... We've got a tin of beans. That's very good. We've got a tin of soup. And we have got some tomato ketchup. Now, all of these items are made in one factory and they're produced by a man called Heinz. You see, this is Heinz tomato soup. 
you ask my mother-in-law, do you want soup? Uh, tomato soup, yes. Is it Heinz tomato soup? Yes, well, make sure it's Heinz. Had to be Heinz. Beans, we had a debate before the hampers were given out for Christmas, uh, which beans to put in. Heinz beans. Do you know that every 17 seconds there's one tin of Heinz beans sold? James, do you know how many beans is inside this tin? There's about 465. Now, I haven't counted them, but some people have 465 beans inside every uh, 415 grams. And of course, if you're having chips, how many children here love chips? Yes, Joshua, best fish and chips shops, Anderson's. All right, get a wee plug in, Joshua. All right, when you're having chips, it has to be tomato ketchup. Now, I'm not a fan of tomato. Do you like tomato ketchup, James? Yeah, I'm not a fan of tomato ketchup, but many children and young people are. So these items are all very telling this morning because they remind us, now listen to this carefully, of a man called Henry Haynes. Henry Haynes was born in Pennsylvania and he was from German descent and he was brought up in a Lutheran church. And when he was 10 years of age, something very important happened in Henry Haynes' life. And it was this, he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And you know what he said until the end of his days, that was the most important thing that ever happened to Henry Haynes, that he asked Jesus Christ to become his Lord and his Savior. And as a young teenage boy, he grew vegetables. And he put vegetables of all different sorts, carrots and turnips and cabbages and lettuce and he, tomatoes, and he put them all in his little cart and he would round the houses and in his district and he sold them from door to door. And then he started gathering up some money. You see, he had a keen business sense, even at a boy of 10 and 12 and 13. Eventually he got married at the age of 20. And in 18, he married a lovely girl from the church, lovely Christian girl. And in 1869, he started his Henry Hines Food Company. Now, that was a long time ago. And Henry Hines, to this day, they make soup, beans, tomato sauce. In fact, 57 varieties and maybe even more. So I could put 57 things up here and they're all came from the one factory. And do you know that he has 46,000 employees today? It's not a lot of people. And the company is worth 24 or 25 billion pounds. So here's how Henry Hines started. As a boy of 10, he came to personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And from he was 10 years of age, he confessed Christ. He wasn't ashamed of the Lord Jesus. And whether it was to neighbors or whether it was to a stranger, he would have spoke up for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, boys and girls, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And Henry Hines at this motto, God first. And of course, it cost Henry Hines to be a Christian, because as he grew up, 
and got married and, and started his factory and his business, he was still committed to the cause of Christ. And he loved the Sunday school. He loved boys and girls. He gave, in fact, he was a Sunday school teacher. He gave his time. He gave us his talent to help to educate the boys and girls in the ways of God. But also he gave of his money uh, to uh, further advance uh, the cause of Christ. And it all started. It all stemmed back to this. That when he was 10, he trusted Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Now let me tell you one final thing. Whenever... Henry Hines died and they were reading out his will. He said that the most important thing, in fact, at the beginning of the will, the most important thing was this, that he had received Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. And he wanted the benefactors of that will all to realize that as he ended his earthly career, and went into heaven to be with the saints and be with Christ forever, that the most important thing that he ever did in his life was that he had received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I emphasize that to you young people. I emphasize that to all who are listening online. I emphasize that to the boys and girls. In all you're getting in life, you get to know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And who knows? There could even be someone like Henry Hines here. So we're going to call Henry Hines the bean man or the tomato ketchup man. Or we could call him the soup man. But whatever you call him, remember Henry at 10, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now next Lord's Day, you listening? I'm going to talk about the chocolate man. Now I wonder who he would be. Okay. My text this morning is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 23 right through to verse 25. And I've entitled the theme for today, Don't Start Until You've Heard the Signal Sound. So here's the text, 2 Samuel 5, 23 to 25, and here's the theme. Don't start until you hear the signal sound. You see, according to the immediate context, David had just fought the Philistine army in the valley of Rephaim. With the Lord's help, he gained a great and tremendous victory. So much so that he joyfully proclaimed, the Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. He named that place Baal uh, Peraim. It was there that the Philistines left their images, false gods, idols, and David and his men burnt them with fire. Now, in the wider context, David has just been accepted, recognized as king over the whole land of Israel. Initially, remember, he was crowned in the city of Hebron, where he reigned for about seven and a half years. This was after a real vicious a bloodletting civil war between the house of Saul and the house of David, a war that lasted, remember, seven years, until all the tribes recognized, accepted, and embraced David as the rightful king. It was around this time that Saul 
<coughs> the first king of Israel was slain in battle. Ishbosheth, his son, was rejected as king over Israel, and David moved the seat of his throne from Hebron to Jerusalem, and he was to reign there for the next 33 years. The kingdom thrived under David. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. The Lord was with him. And you could think to yourself, well, after all of this time of great difficulty and trouble, time of pain and sweat and toil and tears and bloodshed, you can imagine a period of great peace, a period of rest for the new kingdom. This is now a, a united kingdom. Thank God it's no longer divided, but not so. That was not David's lot. For very shortly after his coronation in Jerusalem, the whole of the Philistine army rose up again in a very concerted manner to destroy him. Listen to verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The language here, I believe, is very expressive. Its meaning is clear. The hordes of the Philistines were bent on killing David. The object was to destroy him completely. Now he was king over united Israel. It's obvious that they saw him as the key man in the land. It's obvious that they saw him as a great threat. They wanted him dead, not only because he was king over united Israel, because he was a man after God's own heart, upon whom the Spirit of God abode. Up to this point in David's life, David, remember, took no steps without the Lord. David had the wonderful blessing of knowing that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and the Lord was with him and that the hand of the Lord uh, was guiding him. He knew that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Listen to what God says in 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 18. This is out of the mouth of Abner. Now then do it. For the Lord have spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. Here was God's purpose and plan for the newly crowned king. And they're set out in very precise details by Abner, the former captain of Saul's army. And they're widely accepted. David has been anointed by the Lord, raised up, by the Lord to be the great deliverer of his people, especially from the Philistines. The Philistines are an ancient enemy. Here's the question. Were the Philistines aware of God's purpose? I believe they were. And therefore they were even more eager to arise up and to destroy David as king. Now look at verse 22, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephraim. Now here's the second battle in Rephraim. The Philistines are not going to quit. The Philistines, despite being defeated earlier, have regrouped and re-engaged in the very same place. And they've spread themselves in the same manner. And when they attacked again for the second time, King David was so devoted to the Lord that he prayed again unto the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, shall I go up and fight them? Now this time, this is what the Lord said, thou shalt not go up. The Lord has a different plan from a frontal assault. He told David to fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. This was not a full frontal assault. 
they were to go round the Philistine army and attack the Philistines from the rear. But they were only to attack from the rear whenever, if you look at verse 24, and let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going on the top of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. Now do you see that? When thou hearest the sound of God in the move, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then the Lord shall go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And we read in verse 25, And David said, did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Now what lessons can we learn from this text? This is the second Lord's Day in January 2022. Last week we presented our motto text. I received this text by an email from a dear friend. And I thought, I'm going to preach in that. And then I asked myself, well, what can I learn from this text? You see, here was the Lord's instruction to David on how to conduct himself in this particular conflict. It wasn't the same as before. The details were specific. They were unique. They were unusual. When thou hearest the sound of a going on the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. Now three things came to mind as I wrestled my way through this text of Scripture. Very few have preached on it, only only Spurgeon. Think of the identity of the signal sound. It says, when thou hearest, the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're familiar with trees. The mulberry tree is only mentioned four times in the Bible, here in 2 Samuel 5, verses 23, 24, and 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. What sort of sound? Now, you see, we might think, well, it's the sound of the wind. You think of being near an ocean and the wind blowing through the palm trees that makes a particular sound or the fir trees in the forest if it's windy and you you can hear the wind and the uh, effect that it has on the fir trees. But this was not just a mere sound. It says a sound of a going. And it's in a particular place in the tops of the mulberry trees. So it's not a mere wind just disturbing the branches. You see, the sound of going that David was to hear, I believe, was the sound of God on the move. It's not just a sound in the top of the mulberry trees. It's a sound of a going. You see, literally, it's a sound of a going. It was a sound of marching. Like the clank and clatter of a great army on the move. Like the pounding of feet. Like the rattle of equipment. Over there in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 68 and verse 7, the psalmist said this, uh, speaking of the history of the children of Israel, uh, Psalm 68 and verse 7, and it uses this word in this particular context, O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people... 
when thou did march through the wilderness. The word march is the same Hebrew word that's translated sound. So literally it could read, when thou hearest the march of a going in the top of the mulberry trees. I remember the late Ernie Patterson who used to come here tell me that as a young soldier he was shipped off to Alexandria in North Africa. And whenever he arrived in North Africa, uh, in Alexandria, in the port there, he heard this awful sound. And he felt that the ground under his feet was trembling. He thought, well, maybe there's an earthquake. And he remember saying to one of the officers, what is that sound? And he said, you'll get familiar with that. That's the sound of rommel on the move in the desert. The old Jewish rabbi, they talked about the sound of a going as the angelic host marching to battle. But I believe it's not a reference primarily to the angelic host. I'm not saying they're not involved. But I believe that the Lord of hosts himself, it was the Lord himself that was marching to battle. I believe the Lord of hosts himself it was the Lord going before his people. Think of the rest of the text. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. In other words, this marching sound was a signal of his presence. That the Lord was with his people. It was a seal of his promise. The Lord was at work. Remember what he had promised through Abner. David was going to bring about deliverance of the Philistines. The Lord always keeps his promise. And despite you facing something that has an outcome that seems in doubt, you've got to learn to trust him. I believe it was also a showcasing of his power. The Lord was not only with his people, but the Lord is going to give his people a great victory. And more so, it was a sign of his providence. You see, here's David, and he's facing this seven civil year war. He's crowned king. He's a big battle with the Philistines, and he's just won it. And then the Philistines come again. They're not going to quit despite being defeated. There's no rest or peace for the king. Even though the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, even though the Lord was with him, even though the Lord had given a victory, he was attacked again. There was no let up. And people of God in 2022, remember this. So long as we are in this body, so long as we're on this earth, despite the spirit of the Lord dwelling in us and despite the Lord being with us and despite knowing Christ as Lord and Savior, what can we expect out of this world? In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer if we've overcome the world. We're going to expect temptation. We're going to expect trials and troubles. We'll expect solicitations to sin. We'll expect greater manifestations of evil. We'll expect other assaults of the enemy. Because remember, in the Christian life, we're not only sons, but we're soldiers. We're in a lifelong battle. Remember what the Apostle Paul said, writing to the church at Ephesus. He said this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you see, the devil's not going to give up just because the Spirit of God's upon you and the Lord is with you and the Lord has given you victory in the past and you know him as Lord and Redeemer. There'll be repeated attacks. And in those attacks, you're going to be full of fear and doubt and there'll be, there'll be a weariness. And what do you need to do? Remember to look for and to listen for the sound of a going. The sound of the Lord on the move for us that reassures of his presence so that we can be refreshed by his many wonderful promises. So we can rejoice at the display of his power. So we can rest on his providences. Spurgeon said this in his sermon. If providence tarries, pray till providence comes. It's not a much needed statement. David's in Jerusalem. He has to leave Jerusalem and go into the hold. So he has to leave his comfort zone. And he has to go not only into the hold for safety, but he has to leave there and go to the place where the mulberry trees are. And he has to wait there. He has to tarry there until he hears the sound of God on the march. And he's to do nothing until he hears the sound of God on the march on the top of the mulberry trees. If providence tarries, he's to tarry till providence comes. I know that in 2022 we'll face an uncertain future. You might face certain health issues. Things in the country will probably get worse. I have no doubt that lifestyle is going to become harder for many. There'll certainly be rising prices. There'll be hardship. There'll be hurts. There'll there'll definitely be attacks of the enemy. And what do we do when all that happens? Well, here's what Spurgeon suggested. Never force a situation. Wait until you hear the sound of God on the move. In other words, what that means is, Wait for the evidence of the Lord on the move with you and before you. That the Lord prepares a path by his presence. That the Lord brings to your heart his promise. That the Lord displays his power. That the Lord grants you his providence. That's the identity, I believe, of the signal sound. Notice something else secondly. The inquiry of the signal sound. Look at verse 23. It says, and when David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come over upon them over against the mulberry trees. You see, the amazing thing in this story is this, that the Lord moved, the Lord worked in answer to prayer. Now here's the leader, King David. He's on the throne. He has all power and authority as king. And yet he's setting a great example for all the people of God. See, David's a smart man. The enemy attacked him. He prayed. Listen to verse um, 19. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? 
And then in verse 22, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, If we do a correlation of First Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 14, it says this, Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not up. You see, he won the first battle through prayer, and then there's a second battle to be fought, and he prayed again. You see, the will of God was important for David. And here's the lesson. The Lord works in answer to prayer. And the word of God, of course, is full of mighty interventions, mighty movements of the Lord. And they all come about, if we examine them carefully, in response to prayer. Wilt thou not revive us again, that we thy people may rejoice in the individual prayer, but collective prayer of the church? I want you to notice in prayer that King David highlights something that I believe is very wonderful. Here's what it teaches us. That he was dependent on the Lord. You see, David's confessing when he inquires of the Lord that he's utterly dependent on the Lord. David is facing huge odds. He's outnumbered. He's weary after a civil war. It's a time of weakness. It's a time of weariness. But it's also a time of welcomingness and gladness the newly crowned king in Israel. And here's all the host of the Philistines. Five provinces in Gaza unite to have a determined war effort against David and Israel. And what can the man of God do facing such a great enemy? What's the first thing he should do? Here's the answer. Seek the face of the Lord in prayer. And we need to learn that. And our leaders need to learn that lesson again. I need to learn this lesson. You need to learn this lesson. He takes all his complaints, all his crisis, his confrontations, and he cries out to the Lord, what should he do? If we think of the words in verse um, 23, and when David inquired of the Lord, see, David was fully aware of his own inability in the face of a huge enemy. He knew that only the Lord could give the victory. In fact, in the first victory, he called the name of the place Baal uh, Peraim, meaning master of the breaches. You see, the Lord was in charge. The Lord was control. The Lord was the true God. He, he was the master of the situation. The Lord had broken forth upon the Philistines like a great flood sweeping all before it. David recognized how needy he was. And how dependent he was on the Lord. I want to emphasize this morning. Do we recognize how needy we are as a people? And how dependent we are on the Lord for everything. Physical, mental, emotional, material, financial. But more importantly, spiritual. You, you, you think of the need of this church. What does Carrie Duff FPC need in 2022? What does the free church need in 2022? Well, we need the spiritual state of our hearts to be dealt with and met. We do need to see souls saved. We need to see new families reached. We need to see the children's ministry progress. We need to see 
young people becoming pillars in the house of God and young girls being mothers in the Israel of God. We need to see the enemy routed and put to flight. And how could all that happen? Not happen by ourselves. We need the Lord. You see, without him, nothing's going to happen. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Without him, we'll be defeated. But with him and dependent on him, we can know his presence, his power, and we can see his providence at work. Oh, that we could see that we need to be constantly and daily in communion with him. David was also devoted to the Lord, not just dependent on the Lord, but devoted to the Lord. Think of this verse in First um, Chronicles chapter 14, verse 14. Prayed again. You see, there's no presumption in David's part. If you study the passage carefully, he had already won a great victory. But there was no pride in his heart. He didn't presume, well, I can do this. My soldiers will fight. We'll be victorious. I can handle this, boys. Don't worry. Leave it with me. He didn't presume there was no need to pray. Even though he was God's instrument. If you think of the words of Abner, 2 Samuel 3 and 18. He didn't conclude there's no need for me to pray. God's promised the victory. He didn't presume that he was exempt from praying. You see, surely it's the revealed will of God to continue the building of his church in the midst of the battle. And it's not to make us presume that we don't need to pray. It's meant to bring to our hearts the necessity that drives us to prayer. Didn't the Lord Jesus pray for his church? John 17, the high priestly prayer. Does he not know and guarantee the well-being and safety of his people? Yes, he did. But he pleaded and prayed for all such that are in covenant blessing with the Lord to be his people and to be kept from the evil one. See, I presume here that David wanted to know the will of God for his life. And he won't do anything until he knows what the will of God is. He's not going to budge without it. He, he sought and obtained the will of God the first time round. He was triumphant, but I won't presume. He'll not do God's work until he knows God's will. He never presumes to know, so he prays again. And he discovers, of course, that God does not work the same way the second time round. God has a different plan. David was not only dependent on the Lord and devoted to the Lord, but David was disciplined before the Lord. If you think of again the word again, it speaks of continuity. He prayed and he prayed again and then he prayed again. You see, this was the key to his life. David's a man of prayer. He prays in the morning and noon and in the evening time. He prays in the house and out of the house. He prays in the house of God. Think of the words, David inquired of the Lord. It was his practice, habitually put into practice. And it involved not only a spirit of dependency and a spirit of devotion, but it was connected to discipline. He had to do it, even when he didn't feel like doing it. Many times have you not felt like praying? Well, we've got to drag ourselves into the prayer meeting. I'll not go tonight. I've got a bit of a sniffle. I'll not go tonight because it's raining. I'll not go tonight because the phone is ringing. You see, it requires discipline. Here's the question. 
Are we willing to give ourselves to prayer? If we're going to hear the voice of the Lord, if we're going to hear from heaven, then we've got to put ourselves in the place of prayer. And also, not only was David dependent on the Lord and devoted to the Lord and disciplined before the Lord, but he was determined by the Lord. What's he praying for? He's praying this. Shall I go up? In other words, he's praying for the will of God in this particular situation. Lord, you have to move first. And when you move, I move. And the Lord, of course, told him, don't fight until you hear the sound of me marching on the move in the top of the mulberry trees. And if there's anything we need to pray for, for this church, for your life and mine, for our families, for our wee country, for the free church as a whole, is what's the will of God. And I feel we've left, lost sight of that. We've forgotten the Lord. We've left that out of the picture. We're not bringing what's the will of God into this situation. And that has to be key. So that has to be determined. What's the will of God? Before we do anything, let's decide and decipher the will of God through the scriptures. Notice one final thing. Not only the identity of the signal sound and the inquiry of the signal sound, but think about the instruction of the signal sound. If you look at our text, it says, Then shalt thou bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him. Now here's the point. Here's the key. In relation to knowing the will of God, the key to being dependent and devoted and disciplined and determined in the place of prayer, David was a man in touch with God. And how was he in touch with God? Let me suggest as we close, by looking up. He wasn't to look at the enemy. If we look at the enemy in Northern Ireland all around us, the atheists and the hedonists and everyone else will get discouraged. Where was the enemy? In the valley of Rephim. Do you know that that valley means strong? Do you know that that valley was close to Jerusalem? Do you know that that valley was named after a certain kind of people who used to live there? Genesis 14 and verse 5. That that valley is associated with heathen darkness and wickedness. Here's a formidable foe. And if we get our eyes in them, we'll be full of fear and doubt and worry. And David knows the will of God now. Surround the enemy. Attack them from the rear. But all the while keep your eyes looking up. Your eyes on the mulberry trees. Not on the enemy. Don't focus on the enemy. Their size, their strength, their strategy. Don't be discouraged. Don't be full of doubt. Don't look in. Don't look out. Here's the source of all the deliverance. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Not only by looking up, but by leaning on. You see, to be in touch with God, he had to have faith in God. 
This God who is all-powerful, this God who is ever-present, this God who is true to his promise, this God who works things out providentially for his own glory. Is there anything too hard for him? Is there anything too hard for the Lord in relation to carried off FPC? What do we need? New families, souls to be saved, a greater spiritual fellowship among God's people, finances. Well, well, let's focus on him. Let's look to him. Let's lean on him. But there's another thing. By listening for him. Notice it says, when thou hearest the sound of a going. The emphasis is on hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They might have heard that the Philistines were on the move. But the man in touch with the Lord was well aware of the enemy on the move. And what did he do? He, he, he was looking up to heaven. He was leaning by faith in the Lord. He was listening for the sound of the Lord marching in front of him. He was alone with God. He was confident that the Lord is with him. He was confident that he could go out in the strength of the Lord. He was instructed to listen to catch the sound of God on the move. And when he listened, he heard the sound of an army on the move. The Lord's army. And the Lord was at his head. He didn't hear it all the time. I believe it was for his encouragement and for his help. There was a time for God to come. And he had to tarry, he had to wait. And it's not easy to tarry. It's not easy to wait. It's hard, especially a newly crowned king who wants to be active and doing something. Let's just go out and beat the heads of the enemy. And the Lord said, no, you look to me. You lean in me. You listen for me. And when you hear that sound, then bestir yourself. And of course, here was the instruction of the sound, the signal sound by launching out. There was indeed a time for bestirring thyself. Prompt action was required. He was to move swiftly. He was to move sharply. When? At the sound of the march. How long was that sound last? Was it a few minutes? Five minutes? Ten? Thirty? We don't know. A few hours? Don't know. But once he heard it, he was to arise. He was to act. He was to engage the enemy. I've had a difficult week last week that went into eternity. Part of the real reason was I had no internet at home. I wasn't able to tune in to uh, the times of prayer for the week of prayer. But the thought that was in my head was this. David, are you in touch with the Lord? And I asked myself, thinking of these words, how can I be in touch with God? How can I know that? Well, by looking to him. By leaning on him. By listening for his voice. When last did we hear the voice of the Lord that came personally and spoke to us? Carrie Duff's FPC's the place for you. I want you there to be a worker and a witness for me. I want you to be a prayer warrior for me in that place. Are we going to launch out in 2022 for him? Launching out because of him and the sound. We're in a spiritual warfare. 
And this year we'll have opportunity to witness for Christ in a variety of places. This year we'll have opportunity to work for him. This year we'll have another opportunity to defend his cause. This year we'll have an opportunity to stand up and out for Christ. And how can our enemies be defeated? Sin, Satan, self and all the rest. Well the source has to be the Lord. The Lord before his people. And let's not worry about the size of the enemy because they defeated them here from Geba onto Gezer. They pushed the enemy back something like 18 miles from Jerusalem. Can, can you imagine that? And this is what I prayed this year for our church. This is what I prayed for me. Lord, I need to hear your voice. Lord, I need to be in touch with you. Lord, I need to be in the place where your marching is heard. Lord, I need to hear the joyful sound that you're going before us to defeat the enemy. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 85, 89 and verse 15. And with this would close. We were singing, we've heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Well, this ties into that. This joyful sound of God on the move. Blessed is the people that knoweth the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Here's this identity. What the sound of the going in the top of the mulberry trees is, is the Lord himself on the march. Here's this inquiry. David giving himself to prayer and the Lord moving through prayer. And here's this instruction. Do nothing until you hear the sound of God in the march. May we hear the sound of God in the march in 2022 in this church and this community. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening.